Hello and welcome to the Tough Cover Podcast with your host for the day, Mark and Victor. Victor, how are we feeling? Feeling conflicted, confused, a tad hurt. Uh, that's a story for later. We're talking about the Eagles, folks. Before we get into it, uh, please go follow us at Tough Cover Pod. Please go follow me on Twitter at Mark Henry Jr. underscore. Please follow the Tough Cover Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, hub of activity. We're talking about the Eagles. This is an emergency podcast. Uh, we're going to talk playoff football later, but the Eagles are the main topic of discussion. They just fired the only coach in their franchise's history to win a Super Bowl, Doug Peterson, after five years, three of them being in the playoffs, is out as the head coach. Victor, what was your first reaction when you saw the news? I guess it wasn't really a surprise because of the reports that were coming out the, the last few days, but it was definitely one of unhappiness. I, I really wanted – to me it was either both Doug and Howie go or they both stay. And I get with the whole, you know, Carson and Doug may not, you know, coexist thing. But to me, Doug and Howie were together. And it was either you get rid of both and, or you get rid of neither. You can't. You can't do one or the other, and that's exactly what they chose in this situation. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I don't think that they had any leg to stand up getting rid of either of them. As much as I criticize Howie, I don't think either of them should be removed from their position three years removed from a Super Bowl after three straight playoff seasons, two of which being NFC's division titles. It's just hard for me to be as reactionary as they seem to be. It seems like they're just pushing the eject button at the first sign of panic. It was his first bad year. His even yeah. even if you want to say his first year he went 7 and 9, we were not I mean, we probably hit our over on win total that year. It, we were not expected to be good that year. We had a rookie quarterback. It is patently ridiculous to me that Doug Peterson was fired. We'll get to Howie obviously. Uh, I it's kind of hard to talk about one without talking about the other. Mm-hmm. But I think it's absolutely insane. I think it's arrogance on the part of the Eagles organization. I agree, but if the reports that you know he wanted to promote Press Taylor to OC and he wanted to bring Corey Unlin back as the DC, then I think that that's a little warranted. I I don't know who Press Taylor is. I I have no idea. We found him somewhere, and he keeps getting these promotions, but the, nothing on the offense ever does better under his tutelage. Carson has regressed exponentially, as we all have seen. So if I'm Jeffrey Lurie and I see Doug trying to hire a lame duck OC, I can see why there's panic. If you're going to bring out a Corey Unlin, I can see why that's a questionable decision. He was highly touted before he came to the Eagles, but he was always a cornerback coach. He was always a secondary coach. So I, I, I don't know about him going straight to D.C. I I can see Doug's coaching staff and him not having a big pl- or you know, a big scheme in the in the you know near future. I can see that being detrimental to this franchise. I agree. I said all year I wanted new coordinators. Jim Schwartz made that decision for them uh, by retiring. I think they had to bring in a new OC, bring in a new DC. I just find it hard to believe that there was nothing to be done. There was no way to tell Doug, hey, sorry, we have to bring in an offensive and a defensive play caller, a coordinator, a legitimate coordinator, 
a legitimately experienced coordinator, not someone just promote from within or to bring back. I, I, I find it hard to believe he fell on his sword that hard for Press Taylor. I, I don't think that that's the only issue. I think that there's something else at play here. I Clearly, Howie and Doug, it said, have not seen eye-to-eye uh, on personnel decisions. Mm-hmm. Lurie and Howie, you know, are always lockstep. Well, yeah, they're, you, yeah, yeah. wherever Lurie goes, Howie goes. That's just yeah. how it is. Nose is it lodged right in his asshole. And he said somehow will be hiring a fourth coach under his watch. Well, he will be, this will be his fourth head coach. He'll be hiring his third. Yeah. Uh, which is just unbelievable. And uh, it's just malpractice to let Howie hire another football coach. No, yeah. Howie, in my opinion, has deserved nothing. I, I would have been fine with letting Howie go and running it back with Doug or something. I like And have the new GM make a decision after the end of next year. I, to me, the root of all evil is Howie Roseman. And I, I get it. He gave Super Bowl. And I'll love him for that. I'll always have a place in my heart for Howie Roseman for that. Just like we will for Doug. Exactly. But the Duke can't draft outside the hash marks. I, he can give you some solid O and D line play, but he does not hit on the corners, does not hit on wide receivers, and he doesn't hit late. How many other teams do you look at someone and like they have like a fifth-round receiver or a fourth-round running back, and they, it, they're going out and they're making plays and they're contri- contributing to the team? Eagles just don't have that. I mean, you look at the draft history. I mean, we all know we all know the obvious ones. This year, you took Jalen Rager in the first round. Justin Jefferson's unbelievable. You took Jalen Hurts in the second round, which obviously I think we can all agree messed with Carson Wentz. Yeah. 2019, you took Andre Dillard, who was terrible last year, got hurt for all of this year, hasn't done anything. You took Jay Jaw in the second round. Uh, that clearly hasn't worked out well. DK Metcalf's a person. I mean, the... I, I just said he didn't hit late, but I mean, it, Maialata looks like he could be a serviceable piece, you know, in the near future. So I mean, sure, sure. I I get it. The draft is very hard. It's not as no hard one, as they make it. It's not as hard Eagles, as they make it. I remember draft day. I was sitting at my buddy's house. The movie. <laughs> Good one. But no, I I remember the the end of the draft, and I was sitting at my buddy's house drinking a beer. And I, I, I saw the Jalen Rager pick. Well, first of all, I was screaming for us to trade up because C.D. Lamb was falling. Ugh. And then when I heard Jalen Rieger, I, I just I, I I generally don't you know scream. I screamed that day. I, I it it was a baffling move then, and it's a baffling move now. I just I just don't understand how you can look at what he's done in the first round outside of like what Lane Johnson did he pick Lane Johnson? Was that yeah, kind of he thing? picked Lane yeah. Johnson. Yeah. Outside of the you know Lane Johnson, that's like the last time he's really hit on a first round I talent. S- I still think Wentz counts. No, with, yeah, yeah, all right, yeah, I I I, I am. Discounting ones, and but they definitely counts. They gave up a lot to get there. I mean, it, which is fine. That's what you have to do if you're going to trade for a quarterback. That, that I don't look at as a negative. I think that was the right move, and it turned out to be the right move because we got a ring. But Bar- I, Barnett in 2017, you can't really say that that's worked it out. Pick. It's I, not. It's not a bad pick. It's not a good pick, not a good pick yeah, either. Yeah, yeah. At 14, that I think they mm-hmm. moved up for. Uh, you. I mean, you look at Aguilar in 2015, Marcus Smith in 2014. I mean, you you even go back to Danny Walk in 2011. It's just he has enough of these bad picks where it's a fireable offense if you're going to also fire the head coach for having one bad year on the field. Yeah, I just I, – I, I can't – like I said earlier, it, it had to be Hallie and Doug or they both stay and give him one last hurrah, which would have been gross to go into the next season with the same turmoil. But, yeah, I, I just ha- – this roster, this franchise won't change until Howie's gone. Howie has to absolute 
hit a home run in this draft for it to be somewhat salvageable, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean he's got the he's got the sixth pick to do it, and he's got to deliver on that sixth pick more than anything. He's got to draft a nice piece in the high second round too. We'll get we're gonna get to that later in the off season. We're gonna talk draft, I'm sure, and we're gonna talk Eagles off season. We're gonna talk later on in this podcast. We're gonna talk about head coaching candidates. But this is I, I this is just a rant that I've wanted to get off my chest a little bit. A lot of it's about the Phillies. A lot of it's about the Eagles. I yeah, fuck the Phillies. Fuck the Phillies. A lot of a lot of media members you'll hear say that they're they don't have favorite teams, or they'll act like they're completely unbiased yeah. because they've been in the media long enough, or yada yada yada. And I've never believed them. A lot of the time, you don't believe them. You look at Troy Aikman in the booth, guys like that. And hearing Chris Collinsworth call an Eagles game is ear torture. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I I think most of them are completely lying just to sound credible, but. I think that there probably are some of them who are telling the truth who are just fans of the sport at a certain point and the fanhood that they had in their childhood waned. And I'm not saying that that's happening to me yet, but what I'm saying is I have absolutely no faith in any of the teams that I root for in terms of from an organizational standpoint and from a front office standpoint. It's really hard to continue to devote so much time into watching these teams nightly and weekly when I know that the end product is limited because of the lack of confidence we have from an organizational standpoint. I, the Eagles firing their Super Bowl winning coach who will weigh the playoffs. I know I sound like a broken record. He's the first time that a Super Bowl winning coach has been traded less than three years after the Super Bowl since 1972. Mm-hmm. And it's just that's I mean there's a reason for that it's because teams are appreciative of winning a Super Bowl yeah I don't know if you know this it's kind of hard to win a Super Bowl no it's very hard we didn't do it for a really long time uh, I think we started in 1933 so yeah. well that we can't even count that we yeah, whatever <laughs> well, the first yeah, Super 51 51 Super Bowl oh uh, yeah well, I'm saying like you know it's yeah yeah I, it it's hard to win it's hard to be the last guy standing and he did it. And he's going to get hired elsewhere. I don't know if it's this offseason. He's going to get hired as a head coach. I don't know if he's going to be great, whatever. And he's going to get hired because he's a Super Bowl-winning head coach. Oh, yeah. And there's not, they don't grow on trees. There's not a lot of them because the same guys win it a lot. I You know, I'll, let me play devil's advocate because I like doing that. You look at a guy like Mike McCarthy. Guy I rag on and I've been ragging on for years. What a Super Bowl. And he got a lot of lame guff years. And a lot of years where you can look back and you can really make the argument, hey, was play calling, was roster management holding back this team? And you can make an argument. You have Aaron Rodgers, one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen throw the football. So you know, maybe it's getting ahead of the curve. We're looking at a team, you know, after Chip Kelly decimated this roster, we said it'll be five years before we can compete again. And then within a few years, we're a Super Bowl, and we won. And we, you know, we're making playoffs. I, I agree that Doug, at the very least, is a good coach. I'm not even, you know what? You know what? I'm not even saying that. I'm not mm-hmm. even saying that he's a good coach. That's I don't fair. know. I, I think he's, at worst, I think he's perfectly average and maybe over-aggressive. Yeah. And I'm fine with that. The, the thing is, 
I just don't want Jeffrey Lurie, the Eagles, to forget who they are. And who they are, they can they can fool themselves all they want. They can think they're the Patriots. They can think they're the Steelers. They can think they're all these successful organizations. You got one ring to show for it. One. You've won one time. I get it. Andy Reid had a long tenure of success. There's a bit there's a reason why it was such a big deal that he won a Super Bowl last year. Because he had never done it. Because it's hard to do. I I'm not even saying Doug Peterson deserved his job on a merit basis. What I'm saying is it is so arrogant and disrespectful to fire the head coach that took you to your only Super Bowl in his second year, three years after it. And the th- my devil's advocate back to you about Mike McCarthy yeah. is that he didn't have Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Doug, Doug Peterson did not have Aaron Rodgers well, to yeah, win that yeah. Super Bowl. He did it with yeah. his backup quarterback. No, I'm sorry. And I think it's one of the most ingra- it's one of the most impressive coaching performances of all time that playoff. Well, it, first of all, yeah, there was constant. You know, it, we were always one step ahead, which is something you you know you don't see out of an Eagles football team. The biggest issue, I just think, uh, Doug just, I think he was too reliant on his guys, regardless of who they were, whether that be a football player or uh, you know staff, you know coach. And he just he relied a little bit too much and put a little bit too fit, much faith in guys that just didn't have it. Now you can also make the argument, and I make this argument, how he provided them with zero talent, as we talked about, you know, five draft picks. Ago. Yeah. You know, I, that's why I would have been fine with Doug getting one more year. You know, the one thing you can say about Doug is that guys always play for him. The reason why we got in the playoffs the past few years, not kind of this year, was we yeah we won late in the year and we made a drive and we got the, we got in. Yeah. That means something. Players will never quit for him, or at least, you know, they didn't this year didn't seem like until, you know, the second half of week seventeen. But Hell yeah. I I don't know. I think Doug was dealt a very bad hand, but I also don't think Doug helped himself in the slightest. Yeah, I I've had my problems with Doug in the last two years, especially, especially this year. I was a I did not like the hire when they initially hired him back in twenty sixteen. Because well, so, yeah, no one knew who Doug Peterson was. Well, even the people who said that, like, everyone just kind of backed it because I have a more negative Andy Reid opinion than most. I'm not a huge Andy Reid guy, especially in context of his years here. I remember the disappointment more than I remember the consistent success. But I... We're not going to have a... Don, I mean, you can look back down, too. They had no fucking outside talent then either. I mean, they yeah, no, I, receivers. For sure. I, I have... I, I did not like going to the Andy Reid factory and I overcame that obviously he won us a Super Bowl and it's the the second time I've seen a team I root for win anything in my life I root for the Phillies I root for the Eagles I root for the Sixers even if you want to count the Flyers who I don't root for really they've not they haven't won shit Notre Dame's never gonna win shit so I I, it's it's at a tough point where it's like it feels like I kind of got punched in the in the back of the head because someone who makes me at least remember the good times, the Philly special, he has a statue. Yeah. Like, I, he was supposed to be the coach no matter what for, like, ten years. We were no, supposed yeah, to like, be one of those teams. It feels, we're going to talk about it in a minute, the head coaching candidates, it feels so weird to even have to discuss it. Yeah, like, no, if you were told me last year that Doug Peterson was gone and, you know, we had to, we're, we're rerunning it back with Howie and, Nobody knows what's going to happen to Carson. I'd, I'd say it's crazy. It's crazy. But a short three years, 
and a bunch of bad draft picks and a bunch of bad play calling, here we are. I, you know, it's really what it comes down to. Yeah, I, I it's hard for me to say much more. I, I think I've made my feelings known about it. I'm not even saying he's going to be great at his next job. I'm not saying the guy we bring in, it will be a worse football coach. But the arrogance it shows as an organization tells me a lot, in my opinion. It tells me a lot, in my opinion, who who stays and who goes. Brett Brown went for the Sixers. Elton Brand stayed. You look at the yeah. Phillies. Uh, it's it's just Gabe Kapler stayed, or Gabe Kapler got fired to last before last year, yeah. and they kept Klentak around. They kept McPhail around. It's just and then, what it, oh, geez, I. Lame duck year. Just, just exactly. nothing, nothing accomplished. I'm, I'm just so sick of every sport I root for. Every year gets blamed on someone, and it's like, well, don't worry. Your problems and your worries are all going to be fixed because it was that guy. It was Gabe Kapler all along. It was Brett Brown all along. It was Doug Peterson all along. Now that I'm saying it out loud, it always seems that the coach gets canned and the GM saves his ass or the player saves his ass. But... It's just a it's a terrible precedent to set, and I, I, I again I, I come I keep coming back to it. I just think that it shows a great level of arrogance by an organization that does not deserve to be arrogant. Yeah, I mean, like I, I know you talked about the Eagles won a bunch. You know, that's probably where it comes from. You have to get the first ring. I, I don't know. I mean, don't even get me started on the other Phillies. Like the Phillies that burn burn the whole franchise. I I hate I. I've never seen a team just consistently lack in development. Uh, honestly, both the Eagles and the Phillies refuse to develop talent. Now I think about it, so uh, I don't know. Quick Philly sidebar. The Mets just traded for Francisco Lindor, who's a 27-year-old, best shortstop in baseball, probably one of the top five best players in the world. Also, one of the probably in the conversation for top five best players in the world is Ronald Acuna on the Braves, Juan Soto on the Nationals. All of those three players are in our division. Then you look at the other two teams in the division – it's the Marlins and the Phillies. The Marlins have a top five farm system in baseball. The Phillies have a bottom five farm system in baseball. The, the Phillies have about triple payroll than the Marlins do. The Marlins made the playoffs last year and the Phillies didn't. Just to show you how awful, awful the Phillies organization is in comparison to their peers, it is just an embarrassment to support these teams and to have to defend it. But I, I can't anymore. I'm not going to defend these teams. The Phillies just traded their best prospect. Sixto Sanchez to the Miami Marlins. He looked like Pedro fucking Martinez. And then, and then the guy they traded him for was the best catcher in baseball. He came here, and in classic Philly fashion, you'd think he stunk. Nope, he was as good as you could possibly hope for him to be. He was the best catcher in baseball by a wider margin than there has been for the best catcher in baseball in a long time. And you're not going to pay him. You're, you traded your future for him. You could have had cost-controlled years to of Sixto Sanchez, and no one would have blamed you for not trading for Real Muto. But you pushed your chips in with your young guys, and you're not even going to pay the talent you traded for knowing, I get it, COVID happened, but you knew this day was coming. And it's just, if I was Bryce Harper, I'd won out. If I was Joe Girardi, I'd be fed up with what the, with what he's being dealt. And I, that ends my Phillies talk. I went even yeah, too, deeper I, than I wanted no, to. No, I agree. But it's just every team I root for is just incompetent. The well, Notre Dame, Notre Dame is just—I'm not even that mad at Notre Dame. I'm wearing their hoodie right now, <laughs> and but they're never going to beat Alabama. They're never going to beat Ohio State. They're never going to beat Clemson. 
So every team I root for has a ceiling that I'm banging my head on. Well, that's because you like college and the NCAA is a fucking giant. Well, Villanova game. is actually <laughs> the only thing I have that brings me any joy, and I don't even really care that I'm much about it. Sure, have fun with that. I mean, yeah, the Phillies are a trash can. They should burn in the dumpster that they are in. The Sixers Eagles, are the most competent team we root for. Yeah, because I'm with you. I don't really care about the Flyers. I have, like, one Flyers hockey stick in my office, and that, that's it. I, I got a jersey. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the Sixers, at least the Sixers got out of Al Horford, which is nice. You know, you have Daryl Morey, who is competent, or at least has shown that he can be competent. So, oh, I think he's I, I think he's way more than competent. I, I think he's oh, the best GM in basketball, personally. Well, I mean, getting out of what he did with the little assets that he gave away, yeah, that's that's a huge accomplishment. I think he made the – I also long said that I think the James Harden trade to Houston is the greatest trade in the history of basketball. I, I get that you can't really say because it, it didn't result in the title, mm-hmm. but it would have resulted in the title in any other – in, I can't believe. Well, I don't even know how. I was gonna. Say, I was gonna let you finish your res- thought. <laughs> it would have resulted in any other. And any other era would have resulted in the title, but they had to play the best team ever, the Kevin Durant Warriors, two times in a row and took yeah. them seven both times. Whatever, though. I don't even know how we got there. Yeah. But let's talk coaching candidates. There we go. <laughs> so I did a podcast last week by myself, um, where I ranked the top ten coaching candidates. Did not think we were uh, in the market. Starting with my number one guy on my coaching candidate list, I had Joe Brady, the 31-year-old Panthers offensive coordinator. He came from LSU last year. He was a Sean Payton disciple before that uh, for two years as an offensive assistant. I like the guy. I think he's a McVay-type young offensive play caller who will the, the team will play for. And uh, he's been at both levels, succeeded at both levels. Um, it's the, everyone that talks about him, raves about him. A lot of people give him a ton of credit for Joe Burrow and Justin Jefferson's success at LSU. Uh, and uh, I just think he's the most exciting option. There are some links uh, to our staff, and people think that we will give him an interview. I mean, I certainly wouldn't be against it. Uh, I, I talked at length this year about how good the Panthers' offense looked at times, especially after Chris McCaffrey went down. Uh, all three of their receivers ate. For the most part, I mean, obviously DJ Moore would do his thing where he would go and disappear. But most part, I mean, Robbie Anderson dominated most of the year. Just once Teddy Bridgewater went back to Teddy Bridgewater, that's when the offense started to uh, sputter. Uh, definitely someone I think that can elevate the quarterback position. And I've been high on Brady since before. Oh, you've been talking about all year. Yeah, I, I've been high on Joe Brady coming out of LSU. When, when the Carolina got him to be their OC, I guaranteed. He would be a hot head coaching name this year, and was it's this come his true. First, uh, OC year or yeah, he was OC at LSU, and yeah, then OC, or he might he might have been the passing game coordinator, but he was calling the plays. He was yeah, calling yeah, the yeah. shots. He was dialing it up. Um, the other and, question is, I mean, it's a very fast, uh, you know, ascension, very similar to a, a Doug Peterson, where you know you're you're going from you know high school QB coach to like you know now you're with Andy and Matty as head coach, like I. It's very, very fast trajectory. Not saying it's bad, just saying you know, there are parallels. Yeah, I just think he's one of those. Uh, I don't know. I just, I, I'm high on him. I, I see a lot of these young Shanahan, McVay type. I think he could be a play caller th- to the highest degree, and I think that's really the best type of head coach you can have. It's an offensive play caller who you can put up there with anybody. Well, if you're Roland Carson and you have a hundred million dollar quarterback, you got to elevate that position. So you got to get an offensive guy. Just even if you, even if you're not rolling with Carson and you're going with. I, you're, you're a Carson guy, I'm a Hurts guy. 
If you're going with Hertz, you gotta roll with that. You gotta bring in someone who worked with Hertz. Oh yeah, then you gotta develop them. Exactly. Fun stuff. Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying, but like, yeah, either way, you have to invest in offense at this point because you have two, you have two quarterbacks, and you have to figure out what to do with one of them at the very least. So my number two guy on my list was Eric Bieniemy. I don't think it makes much sense to bring in Bieniemy. Uh, just another Andy Reid disciple worked with Doug Peterson. I don't think it makes a lot of sense. I. Don't think it'll. I don't think. Uh, I know. I've heard a lot about the enemy and Kafka. Kafka is their quarterback coach. I'd my wrist yeah. if, I had, if Mike Kafka got hired. Yeah, I would not be happy at all. I didn't even list him on my do not do not hire list, but I I would be because he's that off the board. <laughs> I would be furious if they hire Kafka. You mean the the Eagles third string uh, quarterback from two thousand nine? Fucking Northwestern's <laughs> bad quarterback from oh yeah. eight. Uh, the enemy. I'm a little lower on the enemy. I think for the yeah this the second year in a row that he's interviewed very bad. And I, for what I'm reading reports, I don't remember reports I read somewhere on Twitter. Uh, shout out those peoples. But for what I'm hearing, it's the it's the long term macro view that he struggles with. And I think he's more of a product of Andy Reid than I mean, look at Matt Nagy. I'm, Matt Nagy, I think, might be a better coach than the enemy. I mean, obviously the head coaching job. Not many people like Matt Nagy, but I think the enemy has a chance to be, you know, equal to or worse. It seems like everyone, and this, this, it's just, it seems like everyone loves the enemy, especially the players. It seems, and he was a former player. Yeah. It seems like a lot of the players gravitate towards him, um, and I think that's a positive players for him. Players gravitate to former players. That's why Ron Rivera is a, is a huge culture, a huge, you know, team guy. Players love playing for him. Former linebacker. They, it, Players love playing for him. Mike Rabel, another guy. Yeah, they love playing for him. They, yeah. Guys that have been where they've been, they, they relate better to him. Simple as that. Yeah, my next on my list, and this is the last guy, I had a top three tier that I said these are my top tier guys. My number three was Lincoln Riley, who's the Oklahoma head football coach, college football coach. I think he is an absolute savant to the similar way that I think Joe Brady is. I always say anytime there's a big job in the NFL or in the NCAA, if they could get Lincoln Riley, it's the best person to get but I only I would have ranked him one honestly but I didn't even think it was in play his name's floated out there obviously with the Jalen Hurts connection um I would be ecstatic to bring in Lincoln Riley um I don't I don't care about college um I will give you a counter I don't know his name I always forget it give me the OC from the Bills that's my next that's funny that you give say me that the OC from the Bills my yeah. number four is Brian Dable Yep. Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator. Yeah. That's uh, my prediction for who will be the Eagles head coach. Uh, that would that would ease the current turmoil, and that would ease, you know, like, okay, you know. Because at least I, I saw what this guy can do with Josh Allen. A lot of similarities between the two quarterbacks, you know. Some big guys, slightly more than obviously Josh Allen's a different type of athlete, but, you know, relatively big arms. Obviously Josh Allen, bigger arm. Uh, it makes sense. It makes sense in my, you know, you have receivers over there that can make plays that we don't necessarily have, but the, the passing game has always been relatively open there. Yeah, uh, you, you got to love the job Dable's done with Josh Allen, obviously. Uh, I do think a bit of a worry with Dable is he's got a commitment to the running game, and they haven't really warranted it this year uh, at times. If anything, that shows good for us because we had a coach who refused to use the running game when we had a good running back. That's true. It could be a little bit too much the other way. Uh, I know that some Bills fans get frustrated that they're not throwing enough sometimes. Uh, yeah, I get it. But, like, 
As much as I love Josh Allen, Josh Allen's not a guy that needs to be thrown 40 times a game. I kind of think he is. Right now, he's playing out of his mind. I don't think that's conductive to have this Bills team is playing. I don't... Dropping yeah. back... Then they need to get a better running back, is well, I yeah. guess what the point is. Yeah. Do you not remember my <laughs> award, Mark? We had an award for him. Yeah, I, I, again, I, I, yeah, I had him fourth, and for us, he'd be third because the enemy's off my list because of the Chiefs connection. But uh, he'd be third on my list. I'd be pretty happy. Number five, I had Robert Sala, uh, San Fran defensive coordinator. Like I said, I don't want a defensive coordinator. Uh, I think he'd be a good fit with the Lions. That seems like his most likely spot. So let's even skip by him. So he's not even going to be on my Eagles wish list. Next is Arthur Smith, offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans. He interviewed with every single team that has an open job. So uh, I think he's a hot name. Uh, I heard him mentioned already for us. And I'd be interested that Tennessee definitely, they, he is a big part of the reason that people give for Ryan Tannehill's turnaround. And for even when he took over, Derrick Henry's been far better since he took over. So uh, I do think that they're, uh, I, could get a, I could get behind Arthur Smith. Yeah, I guess it wouldn't be the worst thing. Um, just very counter-inducive, I guess, I guess and to the offense that we typically run, or at least the personnel. We don't really have – I mean, I would love to see Miles get, you know, 20, 25 carries. I'm not sure if, like, that's really what he can do. I'm sure know. he could adjust. I, I think he's probably calling a different game with Derrick Henry. But yeah, I, yeah, I love sure. I love the plays that he was calling. Even even the game – even uh this week in the first quarter, it worked really well. After that, it did not. But uh, I thought that he had a lot of creative play calls, and I thought so all year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Arthur Smith is a, a good play caller. He certainly was scheming more people over than our former head coach. I will say that. That's fair. Number seven, I had Greg Roman. Uh, Greg Roman is a guy that's mentioned a lot. He never gets hired, but he's always around. He worked with Kaepernick years ago. He's working with Lamar now for the last couple of years. I think it would be an interesting hire if you're going with Jalen Hurts. You bring him in. He's a guy that's similar to those types of guys, uh, at least in terms of running and being able to throw the deep ball. So uh, I think I think that's uh, – for me personally, it goes Joe Brady 1, Lincoln Riley 2, Brian Dable 3, Arthur Smith 4, Greg Roman 5, and that's my real top five. Anything outside of that, I don't think I'm going to be excited about. I personally wouldn't be excited about Greg Roman. Uh, it seems like he has a very difficult time scheming open receivers. And that's I the think situation that, that we have right now. I don't really want that again. I think that's a problem with – I think the Ravens receivers are even worse than ours. I agree, but this yeah. is also an issue that happened in San Fran. Uh, I don't think they have very good receivers either. That could also be <laughs> fair, but I could also make the argument that we don't have very good receivers. Well, so when we have Devonta so, Smith next year, Victor, we're going to have great receivers. I wrote him, Mark. Fair. There's a high-character high guy from – Northwestern. I, I do want to push back against this because I, I had people tweeting at me. Top 10, Howie's. We've done well in the top 10. Howie top 10 is generally fine. And you can make an argument that, you know, the Wayne Johnson pick was massive in that draft considering the people that went around him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's fun to rag on Howie, but there there's concerns for this. For sure, for sure. No, I definitely have concerns. <laughs> but I... I Again, I think Greg Roman's a, a clear decision you're going with Hurts. 
uh, well, yeah. because of that type of quarterback. But I, I, I've always been a Greg Roman fan um, in terms of I've always thought he should get a shot. Um, and then after that, I had McDaniels on the list. I want no parts. And then there, I had a couple defensive guys, Wink Martindale from Baltimore and Matt Eberflus from Indianapolis. Uh, they're both probably good candidates elsewhere. I just don't want a defensive guy. Then guys I'm out on, I'm out on Urban Meyer, I'm out on Pat Fitzgerald from Northwestern, I'm out on Matt Campbell from Iowa State, I'm out on Jim Caldwell, I'm out on Marvin Lewis, I'm out on Todd Bowles, I'm out on Brandon Staley, the defensive coordinator from the Rams. Any name there that I said that you'd be interested in? I'd be fine with Jim Caldwell as an OC. Oh, yeah, oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely as an OC. Yeah, as an OC, absolutely, sure. Yeah, no, I I wouldn't. As much as I, you know, we made fun of Matt Patricia and I, I comped it and I got rid of Jim Caldwell, I, I don't want to retread. I'd rather kind of go for the new exciting, whether Agreed. that blows up in our face or not, you know. Because if it blows up in our face, then we have a you know, definitive decision to do, at least the quarterback position, I imagine. All right, so I think that wraps up our, our Eagles coaching thoughts, right? Yeah, I have no more thoughts. I fucking fuck this franchise. Yeah, I completely agree. So let's move on to the wild card weekend that just was. We're going to recap it quickly before we get to the divisional round, a little preview. The first game was the Colts at the Bills, probably with the, maybe the game of the weekend. Uh, the Bills squeak by 27-24. Uh, Indy had a chance here late. They couldn't get the ball down the field. And it's, it's kind of surprising that they were this close to winning this game. No, yeah, it definitely felt like the Bills had at least a little bit more control throughout, especially you now the second and third quarter. But the, the, the Colts stayed around. But Phil Rivers just uh, can't pull it out. I think uh, the final drive, whether it was play calling or Phil's decision making, was Ugh. disgusting. Ugh. Disgusting. Uh, yeah, 27 for 46. Yeah, exactly what we said from week one. You're not gonna win with Phil Rivers. Nope. It's just it's just not gonna happen. I'm sorry. There were so many balls that he threw that was I. I was surprised they weren't picked. They just he was floating the ball in the middle of the field. A lot of scary balls. I. It very easily could have been a lot worse. And the reason they were able to stay in this game is 164 yards rushing. Uh, they were really really able to have what they wanted against the Buffalo Bills uh, defense, especially on the ground, and that is a concern. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yep. But Buffalo was only able to get 10 carries for 42 yards from their running backs. And Josh Allen helped that out with 54 yards on the ground. But it, it is a definite concern that the Bills let the Colts hang around and let the Colts run all over them. Yeah, the one thing you can say, I mean, the Colts do have a very good defense. Uh yeah, that's all I got, really. You know, I just they ran the ball. They tried their best to control the clock. I Colts aren't a bad team. It's just you know the team with the better quarterback won, really. The Bills also in this game gave up a lot of production to the tight end. They gave up 14 catches for about what is that? About 130 yards and two touchdowns to the tight ends. Yeah, it's a. Uh... Definitely concerning. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that for our game preview in a little bit, but I was really not impressed with the Bills. I've been on the Bills all year. I thought the Bills were going to score a lot of points in this game. I lost my bet on this game, which was Bills over 29 points. They hit 27. Um, I was not impressed with the Bills, and that's partially 
because I don't think the Colts are all that good. I don't think the Colts are this scary team that well, that everyone else seems to think they were. I know they won 11 games, but I, I just I think I wanted to see the Bills take care of the Colts more handily. Yeah, I don't know. I think the Colts are just a very weird team. They were the Colts are the type of team that'll they'll fight to the very last breath. I don't know. They they've hard fought teams all year. Yeah, they got blown out I think like two or three times, but most of their games were very close. You know, as much as we rag on Phil Rivers, he had thirty picks. He had a very good game. The running game was great. Yeah, concerning for the uh, the Bills defense because they couldn't stop basically anything. Uh, but yeah, what can you do? Move on to the next game is what we'll do, and it's Rams over Seahawks, thirty to twenty. I am pretty disappointed in Russell Wilson, to be quite honest. If you're and uh, this is stealing from Big Cat. This is stealing from part of my take. A lot of, I mean, everyone's talking about this game and saying what the hell happened to Seattle. And if you're Russell Wilson and you want to be mentioned among Mahomes and among Aaron Rodgers, and now I guess you'd even say Josh Allen and Lamar, uh, you can't come out there and perform in the way that you did in that game. No, I guess that the Rams yeah. are a great defense, but. No, he certainly, certainly did nothing. I mean, it doesn't help. I don't think uh, Chris Carson did anything this game, did he? Yeah, sixteen carries for seventy-seven yards, but a lot of it, a lot of it was late when it was. I, I don't know. I, I just they were out of this game for a lot of the game. Like they were down and out early, and then came back, and then were down thirty to thirteen for a while. Scored at the end to make it thirty to twenty. The Rams weren't even able to throw the ball, and they controlled the game because Cam Akers, twenty-eight carries for one hundred thirty-one yards and a touchdown, looked awesome, uh, and he got involved in the passing game too. Cam Akers is a big revelation for them. Uh, they were, it felt like all year they were like, are you the guy? Are you the guy? Yeah, <laughs> Between no, Akers no. and Henderson. And I forget who the other guy was, but they, Malcolm Brown, but they, uh, they, they seemed like they found the guy in Cam Akers. Yeah. Well, when you spend a draft pick on him, you hope he can you know, be the guy. And I definitely was critical of, on, uh, of him at mo- most times this year. I think he, you know, took a real long time, which is, you know, I probably was a little bit, you know, pre-disproving of his play. But, you know, when it comes down to Rams, and we can talk about this later, it's just, they're not an exciting team for me, and it's just kind of hard to get excited about the yeah, game. Yeah, no, I, agree. I think it was more about, like, Russ, I mean, again, this could be attributed to the defense being very good, which it is, but Russ failing rather than the Rams winning. Yeah, I agree with Despite that. Despite the lack of quarterback play, which is, I guess, crazy to say. I agree with that. I completely agree with that. Not much else to say. The next game was, I believe that was Tampa Bay at Washington. Uh, it was Heineke on Saturday night. Uh, Tom Brady gets to play the Washington football team in the first round because yes, he's Tom Brady. Yep. <laughs> and they let them hang around. Yeah, I mean, Tampa is another weird team. I, 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 I have no idea what Tampa is. I, I, I don't think they're a great team. I, I know they're not. Like, like, at any point, they could fall apart. And it, and it wouldn't be surprising. I, oh, it's coming. Well, I think, yeah, yeah. Again, later. <laughs> I, uh, I think it says a lot that Washington felt like they were able to get yards when they wanted to in this game. I was not impressed with Tampa's defense above all. I think Bruce Arians has a ton of Dumbo moves. Uh, even just like a couple of like, why are you punting? Why are you going for two? Like. He, I think he's an idiot, personally. I've always kind of thought he was an idiot. Uh, so I think that'll shine through at a later round in the playoff. I think Ron Rivera outcoached the hell out of them in this game. He just didn't have the guys 
It's about the Jims and Joes, not the X's and O's sometimes. Yeah, no, at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, Washington's defense was playing great, and the Heineke had a great game. It's just, you know, when you just don't have enough firepower, at the end of the day, you, you got to score points to win, and they just couldn't do it. Yeah, moving on to another game where you didn't have to score that many points to win. Baltimore Ravens over the Tennessee Titans, and this is probably the second best game of the weekend. 20-13. Yeah. to 13. Uh, the Titans get out to a 10 nothing lead on their first two possessions early in this game off of a uh, – they went down, first drive, scored. Lamar threw a pick, field goal, 10 nothing. And I'll tell you what, uh, I, I I know you're a Lamar Jackson fan, but you know I'm a, I, I'm a stan. I, oh, yeah. I was feeling very down at a certain point of this game when, they, when it was 10 nothing, man. When he threw that pick, I, I almost texted you. But I, I held off because I, I didn't want to throw you in a deeper you know, state of despair. But it was really, really concerning because that ball was nowhere where it needed to be. And I was. And he had a, he had an incompletion on that drive that was ugly yeah, too. Yeah, it was it was just not looking well, and it was a, a almost miraculous that they were able to like right the ship and you know get get uh, Lamar turn around, had the big run, got the touchdown. The, the ability for them to actually, like I said, write the ship was something that they, first of all, they've talked about for the past two years, you know, him failing in the playoffs. So. And just in the regular season, even, yeah. him failing when he's behind. Yeah, so it was huge that, you know, in the <laughs> the next biggest game of his career, you know, he finally came up, stepped up to the plate, and, you know, got the W. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm so happy for the guy. I, uh, I, It feels like he crushed a lot of narratives, and he crushed a lot of people who would have loved to continue spewing that narrative. Oh, 100%. Uh, I, I, you know that the haters are out in full force for Lamar, so I'm happy that they at least have another week off. And I, it, it, it was, the, oh, they were out in full force early, by the way, mm-hmm. on Twitter. It was, oh, how do you make that pass? How do you, whatever. I, he played, after the first quarter, a pretty damn near perfect game. He was, he was pretty damn near perfect in that second, third, and fourth quarter. Yeah, that Tennessee defense, another defense that had its ups and downs throughout the season. But they played a really good game. I mean, obviously it really broke apart after, like, you know, the Lamar touchdown. But, I mean, realistically, they, they stopped the pass relatively well. You know, the run wasn't excessive. Uh, well, Do- Dobbins and Edwards combined for 17 carries for 82 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. So that's a nice little running game to yeah. combine with no, Lamar's 140 yards exactly. on the ground. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it's Lamar Jackson takes over the game at some point. And, yeah, and how, about, how about Hollywood Brown? Yeah, he showed up. He showed coach. up. Yeah. He looked like he was fast again. Yeah, I just, you know, Hollywood Brown. I, I don't know. I just, when you're trying Des Bryant out there, it's, it, and Miles Boyd gets And, of course, Mark Andrews had his customary first down on third down drop. I did text you. The one text I did have is, I hate Mark Andrews. The <laughs> dude just refuses to catch the ball when he needs to. Yeah, yeah. he'll catch it when it's first down. But yeah. when it's third down, you really need it refuses. in a pinch. Refuses. Yeah. A.J. Brown was really impressive in this game. It seems like they – I know he, he had six catches for ten targets, but watching the game, it felt like, what are you doing? Get him the ball yeah, more. But no, I, I'm sure that he was getting really, like, double – if not double, he had help over top. But uh, it, it was – any time he got the ball in his hands, it was like, oh, as someone who's rooting for Baltimore. Yeah, no, I mean, A.J. Brown is electric. I mean, we talked about it earlier in the season, just how – him and Derrick Henry, they just break tackles. And they, they're – it's just tough on a defense and a guy like that can just – outrun you and is not unwilling to smash right into you. Dude's a great player. AJ Brown should get a restraining order from Pat Moran. You heard about this? No. Dude, dude. Creepy. 
Pat Moran loves AJ Brown too much. Mm. That's my take. I mean, at least he's like a good player for once. Pat Moran's like, oh, he's the best receiver in the world. I don't want to do that far. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I, Pat, if Pat listened this far, I'm joking. Pat, uh, Pat's a huge AJ Brown guy, which is a, he's, he was right, honestly, before the year in terms of where he was saying he should be drafted in fantasy. And I, I remember I traded him, and he didn't like the trade because I traded AJ Brown. Uh, he's been high on him all year, and I think going forward he will be a top ten receiver. Yeah, I mean he, he just shows when he has the ball in his hands, he's just absolute force. Yeah, I completely agree. So we'll talk about the Ravens uh, in a little bit and what I think is the game of the week next week. But the last game, or no, there's, there's two more. Let's we're, we're, let's keep this under two minutes. Chicago at New Orleans, 21-9. I took the over in this game, which is embarrassing. Yeah, but, I don't know how you do that. Yeah, I don't even know either. Tre- there were trends, whatever. Um, Mitchell the, Trubisky won the MVP. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> you know Big Cat got that to happen, right? Really? Yeah, they were they were all on the live stream, and Big Cat was like retweeting the shit out of it and telling people to go vote. I voted. I voted for Trubisky. It was awesome. I wanted them to drop slime on him after the game while he was looking all sad or oh, something. That would ridiculous. That would have been incredible. Uh, that I mean, that's the let's talk about that Nickelodeon. That was cool. Yeah, I, I didn't it watch it, but I saw the stuff on Twitter. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm all for. You know, adding pizzazz to football. Get the know? kids involved. Exactly. I mean, I'm cool with slime and zones. That, like, yeah. Whatever. I'm in. Get the kids involved. As Rico Bosco, my one of my new followers on Twitter, an absolute legend, would say, some things are bigger than sports. Tell for the children, Mark. Hell yeah. For the kids. Trubisky was terrible in this game. Uh, I, ugh, at least for you, honestly, and I heard this somewhere, I forget where, this is a good result for the Bears. It this is a good result it, for the Bears fans. Well, yeah, I mean... There's no way they pick up that option. Yeah, you're really. You gotta yeah, move on. It's unfortunate that they made the playoffs because now they're in quarterback purgatory and, you know, was Foles a one year deal? Like, you can't. Are you really yeah. going back with Foles? Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, he's no. Gone. So you gotta either, you know, sign somebody in free agency or go, go in the draft and you're just repeating where you've been, you know? Saints look awesome in this game, in my opinion. They only had the ball three times in the second half each time, whereas, like, a seven-plus-minute drive. So that's what you got to do to beat Tampa. I mean, we'll talk about it, but that's what you got to do to beat Tampa. Yeah. And I was really, really impressed with New Orleans. I was really impressed with Sean Payton's uh, play calling on third downs especially. I was really impressed with their defense. I know that Chicago's offense isn't great, but they completely shut down the running game, uh, which will be huge again for next week. And I, I New Orleans, I'm starting to think, is, is the team. I hate Sean Payton, but goddamn, would he probably be like a great football coach? No, if you're your favorite team, had Sean Payton as your head coach, oh, you'd dude. fucking love him. Oh, yeah. Honestly, you see him wearing Jordan 11s when he got slime? Dude, he, he, dude has swag. I'll give it, I'll say it. Dude, dude is about to what? Dude has some fuck you swagger to yeah, him. Yeah, and for it's sure. like, it's just super unfortunate he's brutalized this, uh, the fucking Eagles for the past, like, <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I, someone, I was, I was watching the game, uh, with some people and they, they were like, bring Foles in, bring Foles in. He's a, it's the playoffs, it's his time. <laughs> you know what the funny part about that is? Foles' only two playoff losses are to the Saints. Yeah. So he would have been coming in yeah. to play against the, the only team that he's not good against like, in the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> so, whatever. Uh, I think the Saints are... Michael Thomas came back, he looked like Michael Thomas yeah. today. Alvin Kamara looked like Alvin Kamara. They got Taysom Hill involved because that's Sean Payton's fetish. <laughs> they, uh, the Saints, uh, you know what? You know what? They're going to the Super Bowl. Saints are going to the Super Bowl. That's I mean, my fourth yeah. NFC pick this year, but the Saints are going to the Super Bowl. I mean, it's not crazy. I mean, the way their offense talent is, you know, Drew Brees just has to be confident, which, you know, 
shows that he can be at this point. He, he they already have Tampa's number uh, preview, but uh, you know, New Orleans is a good football team, great defense and offense. I know that's very uh <laughs> standard, I guess. That's just a non-take, but I mean the same. Great special teams too. Yeah, they're, they're just great in all yeah. facets of the game, and it makes sense that they have the highest payroll in the NFL, and they're going to be absolutely fucked next year. They got to go win it this year. Well, exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, Drew Brees is like dead. Like his, his chest is dead. And it's not yeah. even that. They're gonna have to. If they're in like a worse cap situation. Than oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they're like, like ninety something. Yeah, it's crazy. They're gonna have to figure it out. So I, I'm starting to think it's this year bust with the Saints, and they're gonna deliver at least in the the NFC part of it. I don't know what their odds are at, but I mean, I might take a, I might take a pinch. I might take a, I might take a hit of that. Uh, so I'll, I'll check that out after I might tweet it out. And then let's get to the last game real quick before we talk about the previews. Honestly, because we're not going to talk about uh, Kansas City's going to Kansas City's going to mollywop Cleveland. Can we agree on that? Yeah, I mean, unless Nick Chubb goes off like two fifty. Yeah, I still think they <laughs> lose by like ten. Like, yeah. uh, I'm not going to bet the spread. I'm going to probably put Chiefs money line in the parlay and just root for the Chiefs to win. But maybe this will come back to bite me. <laughs> you can use this against me at Old Takes Exposed. But I just. I don't see the Browns got their Super Bowl win this week. Well, yeah, it's, man, they're man. not. I don't think they're beating Patrick Mahomes next well, week Patrick in Kansas City. Yeah, I, I, I there's a five percent chance. Like I said, if, All right. if the run game and they control the clock, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, let's not man. even. We're not even going to talk about. Cle- we're not even going to talk about Cleveland against Kansas City. Let's just let's celebrate this game for the Browns fans. Yeah. Cleveland forty-eight, Steelers thirty-seven. It feels good, guys. It feels good. Honestly. That's that's me clapping for the Browns fans. It's also it's also me clapping for me, <laughs> because I've been telling you, folks, all fucking year. I've been telling you the Steelers are a fraudulent football team. Mm-hmm. They were the worst eleven and zero football team ever. They were the worst eleven and one football, whatever you want to say. They were such frauds. And if you couldn't see that. If, I, I don't know what to say. This was so obvious. I thought the Steelers were going to win this game. They didn't even do that. They were even more fraudulent than I thought they were. They couldn't beat the Browns, who I thought was the only matchup they could take. I thought every other team in the AFC playoffs would have beat them handily in the playoffs, even in Pittsburgh. But they got the Browns. I was like, all right, there's a lot of skeletons in those closets. And then it's like, oh, my God, the Browns head coach has COVID. Oh, my God, Denzel Ward, their top corner's out. Oh, what are they going to do? Beat the shit out of them. Yeah. Go up 28 nothing in their house for the first time. So, I, I mean, since what? I think it was 2003 they beat him in Pittsburgh. Ben Roethlisberger was 25-2-1 going against Cleveland. I mean, Cleveland hadn't won a road playoff game. Since 1969, mm-hmm. shout out Ben Mintz for that stat. They, Cleveland hadn't won a playoff game in general since Belichick was the coach and since before Pulp Fiction was released, before Forrest Gump was released. <laughs> like, I, this, it, I don't want people to downplay how absolutely embarrassing this loss was for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is an embarrassment. You should be embarrassed. And Juju, I don't even know what to say. Oh, yeah. I, Mike Tomlin for, like, allowing that to continue after, you know, the, it happened middle of the season. Like, that, that's an indictment. I know you're not the biggest Tomlin fan as is, but, like, 
a lot of people gave him props for keeping you know AB under wraps for years, but you know it just seems like it's starting to fall apart at the seams now. And uh, yeah, maybe a guy that within a year we could be talking you know is on the hot seat because you know, I don't know what they're gonna do with Ben. You know that cap hit next year is he's retiring. He's retiring. I, I, I would. It'd be great for them. I know. He has to. The, yeah, I mean, they're screwed for cap-wise next year, but the Steelers are fine long-term. They have a lot of defensive young pieces, blah, 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 yeah, blah. Yeah, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Fuck you, Pittsburgh. <laughs> you thought you were something this year, huh? You really thought so. You really thought you had a chance. You thought you were with the Chiefs. You thought you were with the Bills. You weren't. You weren't. You weren't even with the Browns. And they weren't the same old Browns, Juju. They weren't. Uh, the Browns yeah. ain't the Browns. He said the Browns is the Browns. The Browns is not the Browns. Yeah, yeah, no, he was very, very wrong. But realistically, the Browns is still probably the Browns. They're probably right. going to lose to the Chiefs. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's very unfortunate they have to go against you know, the best quarterback in the league next, next week. Yeah, I, uh, good for them, though. You know what? That, they shouldn't even care. They, you beat your, like, it's like the perfect situation for them, too. Oh, yeah. They have that forever. Mm-hmm. Over Pittsburgh, and that's probably who they hate the most. Maybe not, maybe they hate Cincy more, but. I, if Ben does retire, that's... that's yeah, you, you know, retired like, him. Oh, yeah, like, come on. No, that's awesome. They were six-point dog in this game. They didn't have their head coach. He'll be there next week. It, it, it's awesome. It, it's it's awesome. I Baker played amazing. Baker's yeah. been amazing down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, we've talked at length of how much we were not fans of Baker, but he's really settled down, and he's executing the offense. I mean, it obviously it helps we have Nick Chubb and you know, Kareem Hunt running all over everyone's defense, but he's making the throws that he needs to make, and that's what you can ask for your quarterback. Victor, it's almost like the lack of the Pittsburgh running game hurt them. I don't think we've mentioned that all year, have we? No. No. <laughs> the Pittsburgh can't run the ball. Ben Roethlisberger's throwing dumb picks. Oh, my God. It was embarrassing. Unbelievable. Let's Now let's fucking uh, let's talk about some actual playoff games. Let's exactly. set that aside. Saturday, 4.35, the L.A. Rams at the Green Bay Packers. Is I have no idea which way this is going to go. The Packers are a seven-point favorite. I think this is, is going to be closer to a 50-50 game if the Rams get good quarterback play at all. Yeah. But that's the big if. Yeah, I mean, I, I never, never will put my winning chances in the hand of Jared Goff. That's yeah. just me personally. I won't be touching this game either way. Yeah, I think the Rams... Might be the better football team, but you know, just Aaron Rodgers. In Lambert. And really, honestly, the, the matchup of the game is Jalen Ramsey and Devontae Adams. And Donald versus Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. So, like, I mean, it's a different. Like, both honestly, matchups are going to make the game. If Aaron. Also, if Aaron Jones can get, you know, any type of. I mean, Aaron Jones opens up that offense. For sure, know? for sure. What happens when, they, when the Packers lose is they try running, they don't get results, and then they just air it out all the time. If they can get some early success with Aaron Jones, they. They, they should win the game. Yeah, I I agree. Um, and like I said, I, I think it all comes down to golf or Wolford or whoever's playing quarterback. I, I think it all comes down to if they're – I think if they play 60 to 65% as good as Aaron Rodgers plays, they can win this game. If uh, But it'll be a 50-50 ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I actually think this line should be like five, four and a half, but it's at seven. So I might end up sprinkling Rams plus seven, but I I don't think I will. And the over under is forty six. I can't take that either way. I I think we're you're saying Green Bay moves on probably. Yeah, I'm going Green Bay. I, I'm I'm gonna 
I'm gonna say that a Green Bay moves on, but I, I don't. I have no idea. Yeah, it's not like a very confident one. And then uh, let's let's talk about a game. I think we're confident on against each other. Yes. Baltimore at Buffalo. This line opened at Buffalo minus two and a half. It's down to Buffalo minus one and a half. I love the Baltimore Ravens to win this game. Yeah, I I disagree. I just think you can if you're the Buffalo Bills, you have the corners that you can sell out on the run. Put your Davis Williams on Island. Put I don't even know who the second guy. Put him on Island and just force Lamar Jackson to throw the ball. I think Josh Allen is the better quarterback. And generally speaking, the uh, the playoffs, the better quarterback wins. I I think that they're equal I, in different ways. I, I think it'll probably come down to who plays better in this Certainly. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm going with Lamar Jackson to play better. I think I think Lamar Jackson, I, I, I think he's going to come through. I think Baltimore impressed me more than Buffalo impressed me last week. I was more impressed in Baltimore's defeat of Tennessee than I was in Buffalo's defeat of Indy. I think Baltimore is the even hotter team than Buffalo is, and I think this is Baltimore's time. I think that they got that monkey off their back with that first playoff win, and I think it's going to give them a ton of confidence. And I think that there's a reason. I, you would expect this line to be up around four or five points, but I think there's a reason that Vegas made it a one-and-a-half-point spread in Buffalo. Yeah, I'm just not sure if uh, Baltimore's secondary can stop Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, and John Brown. They're all healthy now. Yeah, they have no run game. I'll give you that. Uh, but that's what Josh Allen is there for. If Josh Allen can, you know, throw 50, 60 yards on the board, uh, you know, Devin, the you know, the worst running back in the league, Singletary can get you, I don't know, 30 yards. I think Zach Moss is hurt. You know, try to you, know, you eke out first down. That's what a you know, time possession first down. Eke out some drives. That passing attack is gonna give the Ravens uh, secondary fits, and I think that's really where the game's gonna be won. I think where the game's going to be won is Buffalo's ability, or Buffalo's inability, I should say, to stop the run. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I thought that, that shined through with Indy, and I thought that's what kept Indy in the game, and their inability to stop the tight end. And if Mark Andrews can catch the ball, he's pretty good. Uh, and even when he, even last week, he still ended up with a pretty good game statistically. I think he's going to tear it up. That I think their backup tight end will get some catches as well. Yeah. I think they just need their they need to be able to run the ball with their running backs, and they need to be able to throw the ball to the tight ends. And it seems like the, if any indicator of last game, it seems like Baltimore will be able to do that on this Buffalo defense. Yeah, it'll definitely be a nice coaching matchup too. Sean McDermott versus you know John, John Harbaugh. So for sure. be interesting to see you know how McDermott really you know adapts to this, you know, Ravens offense. And then even, run. Yeah, even deeper than that, you got Baltimore's two coordinators who are head coaching candidates and Greg Roman and, and Wink Martindale. You got Buffalo's two coordinators who are head coaching candidates and Brian Dable and Leslie Frazier. Um so it, it's 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 gonna be a nice coaching matchup. This is gonna be a great game. Yeah. I think it's gonna be close, but I, I just I'm taking Baltimore because of how impressed I was with their win over Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Uh so moving on to the last game Tampa Bay at New Orleans. This is the big money matchup. I think Baltimore-Buffalo is the best game, but the big money matchup is Tampa at New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans is a three-point favorite. New Orleans beat them twice this year. I think New Orleans is a way better football team than Tampa. I'm going to be all over New Orleans. Yeah, I just like you said, they're just a better football team. They have the, I, I've just seen the Tampa Bay team too many times just kind of fall apart out of nowhere and just sputter. And I just don't think the Saints sputter. And they're never going to 
you know, go four or five drives without a score. I, I just think that the Tampa Bay offense could have that happen. You know, the receivers sometimes get lost in the shuffle. I'm not a fan of Ronald Jones and the running back staff. And I think a lot of this can be attributed to Bruce Aaron's play calling, but, you know, the fact of the matter is Sean Payton's a better coach. Yeah, I believe that the breakdown, I think that they outscored them 62-23 to 23 this year yeah. in their games. They absolutely beat the hell out of them both times. Kamara, um, you know, Kamara owned them, at least in the second game. Uh, I, I just think it's a terrible matchup for Tampa Bay. A lot of people are saying the it's hard to beat a team three times, but I, I just, 65% of the time, uh, the stat is the team that wins the first two matchups wins in the playoffs. I was initially a little scared of the winning three times thing. When I heard that stat, it wiped away all my fears. I just don't think there's any football reasons that Tampa's going to win this game. Yeah, no. I just, like I said earlier, you just got to have Drew Brees play confidently. That's all. Yeah. You know, another guy that, you know, as of you know, late the past few years, likes to throw that late game interception. Keep that out of, out of the pocket. So does Brady. Oh, 100%. Oh, Brady's a big fan of that these days. I, I, I'll i take Breeze over Brady at this point. I think Breeze knows his limitations more. Well, yeah, and, and it comes down to what I said about the coaching, the play call. Like, Sean Payton sees that, hey, you know, his quarterback has no arm. So just give the ball to Alvin Kamara and just shoot your shortstop. Cool. Awesome. And it, and it worked. They, they always, they clearly get wins. Saints defensive coordinator Dennis Allen, he used to be the Raiders head coach. Um, he's been doing a great job. I know he's been getting interviews. Um, and, and last week he dialed it up against Chicago. I think he's going to do it again this week against Tampa. I wouldn't be shocked if this is a beatdown. I really wouldn't. Uh, I just think New Orleans is a way better team. It's in New Orleans. I think Washington beat up Tom Brady a little bit. He was definitely getting hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, not hurt, hit. And I, I know Chase Young didn't touch him in terms of sacks, but he was in the backfield. So was Montez Sweat. Uh, so was Jonathan Allen. So I, I think. Uh, I think they got a win, and it wasn't that impressive, just like all of their wins uh, have been this year, yeah. Tampa. I have no fears that Tampa is going to blow out New Orleans. I th- And I think that if New Orleans is in the game late, I just, I'll just i take Sean Payton over Bruce Arians 100 times out of 100. Yeah, no, 100%. So I think that wraps up our thoughts for the, uh, for the uh, divisional round of the playoffs. Yep. Thanks for coming on, Victor. Hey, thanks for having me as always. I thought it was a great pod. I uh, did not think the circumstances were great, uh, firing Doug Peterson. No, it was not a good way to start it. We talked through it. We talked through it. We talked about coaches. We're, we, we got a couple guys we want. So uh, hopefully hopefully there will be an emergency pod coming soon when we hire a guy. Yeah. And hopefully it's happier than it is that. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> So please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Tough Cover Pod. Please follow me on Twitter at Mark Henry Jr. underscore. Please follow at Pick Central, uh, where I give out my picks every day and listen to their pods. Uh, and like and subscribe uh, to our podcast on Apple. Like and f- I think it's follow on SoundCloud. And then on Spotify, do whatever you do on Spotify. <laughs> so uh, thanks for listening, folks. Enjoy the winners.